Welcome to the Vineyard Cincinnati podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast. Hello, everyone. If I haven't met you yet, or if this is your first time at the Vineyard, my name is Beth Guckenberger, and I'm here tonight with your new senior pastor, Matt Massey. Give it up. And as promised last weekend, we are going to have a conversation with you all over the course of the next few minutes. And I want you to imagine, I mean, when Matt and I were talking about what we what we hoped, we don't really have a script. In fact, I'm pretty sure all three services are going to be completely different if you want to come back tomorrow and here. But our desire, instead of having a script and making sure that we hit certain points, what we most want, we have a heart for you to hear about him and from him, about what his life with Christ has been like and his journey um, has been so far. So uh, I'm going to ask him some questions, some of them that you sent in, some of them I just have always wanted to ask him and put him on the spot, all kinds of questions we're going to have a chance to ask him. But let's get started. Last weekend he told us, um, do you remember he, he told us that he had three daughters? Three daughters. So you grew up in a household, I mean, you didn't grow up, you, you have been living in a household with three daughters and a wife, four women. Tell me what kind of things have you learned living in a house as a so young man? So growing, growing up, being in a household of four women now, like I grew up in a household of two dudes and a sister and mom and dad. So I didn't get women. I, it, was a, it was a miracle my wife married me. So I've figured out first things first. I figured that I'm usually wrong. Um, <laughs> I've, I've learned a lot about the catamenial aisle, um, if you know what that is. Uh, and then I've all, but in all seriousness, though, I have learned that I, um, I have emotions. Hmm. That's really what I've learned. I didn't think I had emotions. Like I, when I met Kim, I thought there were two emotions, anger and happy, or happy and anger, happy, happy. And I've learned to cry. I've learned to feel. I've, yeah, yeah. Just, so I've learned a lot about emotions. So We have big feelings. So you, now you've got 11 people, kids in your household. So what's it like? <laughs> what's that feel like? Um, hmm. My, my, my birthday was this last weekend, and so most of them got a chance to be there. I turned 21 again. And, uh, she reminds me every day. She's five or six years younger than me, so it's good. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm on the other side. I'm on the shy side of the big number that he's not. But um, anyway, I had them all, most of them, for dinner um, on Wednesday. And looking around the table, they, there's about 15 years span between the youngest and the oldest, they ha- they're in different life experiences. Some are in college, some are in high school, some are married, some are parents. And I was just remembering, I was just thinking to myself, um, every, every child, every need is worth it. I think that's, mm. that's like, it, it's worth it. It's worth sitting in the freezing cold at a soccer game. It's worth waking up early to, to help someone study for a test. It's, it's just, kids are worth it. And you said to me another time, you said, with 11, you realize how different each one is. Like oh. With three, I see it's different enough, but with 11, yeah. you've got to parent so differently, 11 different Yeah, you can't people. manage them. You've got to individually be a student of your kids. Yeah. Okay, well, tell us just a little bit about, our, about your story. Like, yeah, tell us a little bit about your story, your Jesus so I, story. I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, good family. My mom and dad love me. Married 60-some-odd years now. Hi, mom and dad. They're watching. Uh, down in Savannah, Georgia, 83 years old. Uh, but, but, you know, we were just a normal Christian family. We did church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Anyone else do that? Like the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night thing? Oh, my goodness. We were in church all the time. I think I was born singing Just As I Am, uh, just into I the pew. Say, I learned the high you know. state fight song before I learned Jesus loves me. Yes, it just, 
<laughs> just us. I mean, we'll stop there. But anyway, so, um, but, I, but I didn't really own my faith. I kind of was like, um, I kind of saw it as rules and regulations. And it was, and, and God was the... God was the big general in the sky, the policeman in the sky that was going to knock us down. So uh, my dad did something when I left for college. He said, look, either be all in or be all out. If you're going to be in with Jesus, be in. If you're not, don't. M- Masseys do everything all the way. So I went all the way, the other way. And I walked away from Jesus. And I became an, an atheist, agnostic. Uh, I even tried on Buddhism for a while. I really just tried to figure it out. And it was... As I say, the hound of heaven, Jesus is the hound of heaven, C.S. Lewis called him. He just kept pursuing me through different people, different situations, and I'll tell my story more as we go, but over, over a process, kind of in my senior year of college, I, I slowly but surely came back to God, and then, you know, been following him since. All, all sunny skies since then? Or all you know, sunny skies, there's no problems. Rainbows and unicorns? Or oh, my gosh. Did you ever have a season where you wrestled with the Lord, or you... A season? I mean, seasons, right? Like, uh, I've been following Jesus now since 1989, and I, my goodness, uh, probably every four years, I, I decide I'm going to quit. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Anyone else here? Amen? Right? You know, it's like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm, like, you just wonder, is this real? Is it not real? Right after I gave my life to Christ, a couple years in, one of my best friends at the time, Dave Bennett, was engaged. I was the best man in his wedding, and his fiance went in for a routine surgery, and she never woke up. She was in a coma. And I remember laying my hands on her, like, like God, you're going to wake her up. You're going to heal her. And I didn't even get to my car when he called me back in and said she just passed away. Mm. And so I stayed with God because I didn't know what else to do. But I just checked out emotionally. And, and you, you know what kept me in it? What kept me in it was the, the reality that I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And that is what kept me in it all along. Jesus, whoever can rise from the dead... Call his death and rise from the dead. I'm going to stay with that guy. <laughs> and so throughout my journey, when I have ups and downs, just five years ago, my best friend in the world, my big brother, died at 54. My age now, he, he died. And it doesn't make sense. He left three daughters and a wife. But I look and go, God, you are good. I don't understand it. You rose from the dead. You, you, you have a plan. But he's okay with my yelling at him. Yeah. So we, we get to yell at God, right? He's okay with that. He can handle it. So what about you? When's the... Hmm. I think he's on the hot seat tonight, right? <laughs> and I mean, I, I, uh, I think when I have expectations on God that he doesn't meet, um, in my, in our marriage, Todd and I talk about expectations are like premeditated resentments. Um, and, uh, I think I can have expectations so of God. And when he doesn't do what it is I want him to do, I, I get frustrated, but it's really, it, there's a, you know, hopefully the more I walk with the Lord, the faster that that season, that window is that I close and say, God, you're sovereign and I trust you. But um, I, I actually think it's really important for you all to know that that's a regular part of maturation in Christ, that, that when we work out our faith with fear and trembling, we confront things we don't like, and it can cause us to feel yeah. withdrawn from God. Yeah. But he's not withdrawing from us. Right. Okay. Well, somebody wrote in, they had this question, what is it that you do well and what is it that you don't? And don't um, forget, I can answer that for you too. Just kidding. What do I do well? I dance really well. No. Um, <laughs> You don't ever see me dance. That's, it's a weird question because it feels like it's self-aggrandizing. But I'll say what I love, and I hope I do it well. What I love more than anything, I hope I do well. Other than being a husband and a father, I really want to do those well. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, what I, what I want to do really well is be a discipler. Hmm. Be, a, be a kingmaker, a dream maker for other young men and women. And call it in all men and women who they are in Christ and just invite them to the fullness of their identity in Christ. I think that's... 
Jesus said, I came to the world to make disciples. He go into the world to make disciples, not make decisions. And I believe our mandate, but it's our privilege and our joy to just invite others into the story with God and breathe life into them and breathe hope into them and, and, and tell the next generation you can do it in Christ. You've, you've got what it takes in Christ. So now what, what do I do poorly? The list is not long enough. I can't keep going all night, but, but, but I'm not great at details. I've been married almost 25 years and I'm late all the time. Kim is finally like okay with my lateness. I'm always late. I'll be late to my own funeral. I'm gonna be late all the time. So, so, but I'm not the most detailed guy in the world, but I like to have fun. Okay, that's good. You know, we've been- What are the- you bad at, Beth? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really great at filling out forms, as you can ask everyone here in this church. Um, uh, I, I think this has been a really hard season for our yeah. country. Yeah. We've got COVID. We have injustice. Mm. We have division. What kinds of things? How can we bring hope? How would you bring hope? What kind of messages of hope would you bring to us in a season that's been so challenging? Oh, my gosh. I just think at, our, at North Star, where I just left, we just came off of a series called One and the whole point of this series was to remind us, regardless of what's going on, remind us of regardless of COVID, regardless of um, the murder of George, George Floyd, all the social injustice, that, that, that we are one in Christ, mm-hmm. that, it, that, that uh, we all stand together, that we are called to be a, a multi-ethnic church mm-hmm. that reflects the patchwork of God's grace, that reflects the beauty of God's grace and all of our diversity and all of our differences, we come together and we stand as one, we link arms and say, I know you might have a different opinion about politics, but we love Jesus first, yeah. right? Like, 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 and that's what we get to be. So the hope we get to be and bring is that Jesus is always on the throne. As I said last week, right? Like this year, what I'm most certain of, I've been come, become most convinced and I'm certain of is I'm uncertain about almost everything, right? Anything else? There's, we have almost no certainty. But what I do have, and what we do have as a church, is clarity that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he's put his spirit in us and he's invited us to love whoever we're with, wherever we're with, whenever we're with, at all times. And that's what this church is, is and will continue to be. I'm so excited about what this church has been in this city and what this church will continue to be in this city. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of excitement, I know. Yes. Yeah. It is, I have such affection for this community. It's unbelievable the impact that they have um, in their communities and in the city. But tell me, like, when you think about, like, vision, when you think about what's coming, what are you most excited about? Uh, I am mo- three things I'm really excited about. There's a lot of things I'm really excited about. I mean, I, the, the staff here, this staff is incredible. I've just been so, it's been so much fun meeting this staff. Yeah, they're incredible. Uh, uh, You'll, you'll hear me say this. I've got, I get man crushes. I got a man crush on a couple guys. Mm-hmm. Brian Beatty, Chris Carpenter. I got a couple, couple, couple Jim Cochran, always. But, yeah. but our, our, our uh, I mean, we, you got an amazing elder team, a group of trustees that just love this church and fighting this. But, but aside from that, I'm really excited about this church has led the way for years with its healing center. Mm-hmm. I mean, Adrian and her team have an incredible healing center. Yeah. Just really, and, and, and North Star's care center is based on what this healing center is on. So continues to love the marginalized and love the under-resourced. And that, if we're not doing that, that, we're not the church. That's what the church does, right? And the second thing I'm really excited about is putting our foot on the gas with the Holy Spirit. Just more and more, and by the way, I want to take the word the up, just Holy Spirit. He's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Jesus, the God. It's Holy Spirit. 
right? We got to put our foot on the gas with Holy Spirit more, 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 more. And this place, I think, is, is like a powder keg of craving Holy Spirit. And then third, yeah, yeah. And then third, I believe this church is a multi-ethnic church. I want to be even more multi-ethnic, like just a place that, that just oozes the, the, the patchwork, the quilt of God. Like I was just talking to a friend of mine, Ken Wilson, the other day. And he said, you know, Matt, and he, he's an African-American man. He said, there are no races. There's one race, human race. There's one human race. You cut us open. We all bleed the same. We're one body, one, one faith, one baptism. And this church, I think, can reflect the beauty. In ma- Heaven is not going to be white, right? Heaven is going to be beautiful looking. And so one of my first things I want to do is I want, to, I want our team to, to go out and, and hire and find a young African-American communicator. And we'll have Raul and Beth. And man, we're going to be, it's going to be a beautiful stage of community and, and worship and everything. So I could keep talking. I'll stop. Yeah, sorry. I'm beginning to feel like we're at one of those town halls in there. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm loving the clapping, but I just, it makes me, it's okay, whatever. Um, pastors, I, you can make fun of us. The truth is we think we are creative because we have new, new illustrations and new passages, but pretty much we have the same message we say over and over again. And you all have had a missionary in front of you for seven months. So pretty much every Sunday or, or Saturday night, no matter what it is I'm teaching from, at the end of it, I tell you to go. Like, go, 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 because I'm a missionary at my core, but like, what, what can they expect to hear from you? What, what's your like core message that you're going to tell Oh them? yeah, I've got three, you're going to hear three things all the time, right? Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus rose, that is our anchor. Jesus rose from the dead. In the book of Acts, 55 times, every sermon spoken, Jesus rose from the dead. Number two, he, we need his spirit. 80 times, 80 times, be filled with the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need, he's, that's our engine. When we hear our dad's voice, we will follow dad. So we got to learn how to hear dad's voice, right? So uh, resurrection of Jesus, infilling the Holy Spirit. Number three, man, who we are in Christ. Mm. Who we are in Christ. Like just, uh, I heard that my whole life from my mom. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. And I'm, I'm going to say that a lot. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. You made, God has made us to make a difference. We're going to go in the world and make a difference, right? What is yours? I mean, you just said it, but what's your, like, what's your go-to story that you go, man, that's my Jesus story I just go to. The 90, probably the 99 and the 1. Mm. I just, I'm captivated. And maybe it's because I have so many kids. I think like when I get 10 of them in the same room, like I did on Wednesday, I'm like, that's, that's, that's almost all of them. That counts. You know, he, he, he doesn't look at, he didn't look at 99 sheep and go, this is pretty good. I mean, this is almost everyone. This is better than most. But like he has a heart that he doesn't even want one of us to be lost. And I think about that lost sheep story. What I love most about it is the sheep could have never found his way home. Jesus had to go find that sheep. And I, I just love the image because I, I was once a lost sheep and I currently love a bunch of lost sheep. And it, it gives me great comfort to know that the Holy Spirit is in pursuit of them. That shepherd is looking for that lost sheep. And then I love that image at the end of it where you know, he throws him around his neck and that, that position of mm. familiarity and brings him home and everybody celebrates. Yeah. I love 99 and the one every, all day long. What I about you? My favorite Jesus story, I think, again, all Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four letters written by the, the people that were with Jesus, the book of John is most near and dear to my heart. Uh, when I became a new believer, someone, I, I took the cellophane off the Bible my mom and dad had given me at graduation from high school, and I finally opened it. And I started to read Genesis, and I had no clue what I was reading. I was like, what? And a mentor said, read the book of John. Just go to the book of John. I remember reading those first 
where it's in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Nothing was made without Him. And then it says, in, the, in Jesus we see the fullness of all the deity, and in Jesus we see grace upon grace, right? Grace, I'm saying it up, so I might be preaching. Grace upon grace, right? Just grace like the waves hitting the seashore, grace. And I just started crying like, I need grace. Who else needs grace? I need grace every day, right? That, 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 that word that means I'll never love you any more than I love you right now. I'll never, ever love you any less. I'm for you. I'm with you. And I'll never quit on you. I remember reading chapter after chapter. I couldn't stop reading. I didn't know what a lot of it meant, right? You read, so if you're new reading the Bible, you know what it means. You're in good company. And I've been to cemetery, so I know. So, like, so I just kept reading. And I got, to cha- I got to chapter 8 of John. I'll never forget hitting that story. It said Jesus was, was preaching at the temple. And he's preaching, and the Pharisees come walking. You guys know the story. He was walking, they're dragging in the adulterous woman, and they're shouting. And imagine she's got her dress torn, her lip is bloody from them slapping her around, and they throw her on the ground before Jesus said, What are you going to do about her? Our law says, Kill her, because she's an adulterous prostitute. Now, not to mention the man isn't there. Where's the man? The man is probably one of their friends, right? He's, he's back home drinking a latte and just talking to his friends. And she's thrown before Jesus' three feet being threatened to be killed. And I love what Jesus does, the, the chutzpah mm-hmm. on, our, on our Lord. What does he do? They're yelling. He just drops down. And it starts drawing in the dirt. What? What's he doing? I'm just playing a little tic-tac-toe. Playing a little hangman. Just doodling. They keep yelling, and finally he stands up, and he goes, yeah, I got an idea. Whoever's got no sin in their life, if you've got none, if you've got no sin, throw the first rock. Go ahead. Take a rock. Stone her, because that's, that's how they kill people, right? Right. The nerve, the guts on him to, to call him out. Go ahead. You can kill her. And then he drops down and starts writing in the dirt again. I remember reading later, like some commentaries some, some scholars think maybe he was writing their sins in the dirt. <laughs> Bob, I know what you did. George, you did this just yesterday. And as he's continued to write in the dirt, it says one by one from the oldest to the youngest, they dropped it. The oldest like, I got a lot of sin. I got to get out of here. The youngest is hanging on and finally like, yeah, I got sin. He leaves. But I'll never forget reading this. And Jesus looks at the woman, looks her right in the eye. I imagine he puts his hand on her shoulders, cups her face in his hands. Where are your condemners? Where are they? They're gone. They don't condemn you anymore. Neither do I condemn you. Follow me. Follow me. And I remember thinking to myself, I remember I started crying, reading this going, I'm her. That's me. That's still me. And he looks at me and still says, I don't condemn you. If anyone's in Christ, therefore, if anyone's in Christ Jesus... If anyone's in Christ Jesus, you're no longer condemned. You're no longer condemned. And then he turns to the crowd and says, I'm the light of the world. I love that story. And that's why I love Jesus. And I want us to be a Jesus people. Jesus left, Jesus right, Jesus long, Jesus short, Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus every week. You know when you say, say the name of God, people go, oh, God. When you say the name of Jesus, knees buckle. It changes the room. That's it.
Well, as we... Um... I got two questions for you. Okay. I got to close up. You, you're amazing. You're oh, an amazing friend, you. an amazing leader. I've, I'm, I've loved her husband, Todd, just a ton. He's one of my closest friends. And we, I, every time I talk to Todd, I'm like, you know your wife is a velvet hammer. She's a velvet <laughs> hammer. And she is just, she's tough as nails. But she is awesome. She is sharp. Everything about you is... What's next for you? What's next for you in your ministry? You guys got so much going on. We love this ministry back-to-back, and we're going to stay partnered and even maybe put our foot in the gas more with back-to-back. So what's next for you? Hmm, oh, you all. Um, I, I'm going to go back to advocating for orphans and vulnerable children. I'm going um, to continue to find stages around the world and tell people about those that don't have a voice. Um, they have a voice, actually. We're just going to let people know where it is and how to hear it. And as travel restrictions lift, I'm going to go be traveling around the world back to the places where back-to-back serves to collect more stories to come back here and tell you. Because uh, Matt has agreed to let me come back like... Eight times. She, I wanted ten. She only gave me eight. So, so, so email her. I just... <laughs> Matt at Cincinnati. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I said to him, I'm either going to become your you know, most frequent guest or your most absent family member. It's probably up to you. But uh, I... I I have such affection for you. You know that. I think at the end of the day, uh, my husband asked me that same, same question this morning. What do you think is next? And I said, Hineni, Hineni, whatever it is he's asking of me, I'm already in agreement of it. I don't know what it is. If you weren't with us yeah, Palm Sunday, I taught a little bit about that Hebrew word um, that we hear translated as here I am in the Bible. And that's, that's just, I'm going to continue to say yes to him. Yeah. And uh, I think it'll take me to other places around and, the world. And this Wednesday night, you have the, the virtual night of hope. I encourage all of you to check it out. The back-to-back virtual night of hope this Wednesday night. It's going to be on this stage, mm-hmm. but it'll be virtual. Yes. And it's very exciting to see that. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. We've got our Thrive Series next week. Come back. Bring friends. Or if you can't, if you don't, don't feel comfortable, get a, get a watch Join party. Join us online, yes. Yeah, do a watch party for Thrive. Not just survive, but Thrive. <laughs> Well, as we transition to this next portion of our time together, I'm, uh, we're going to commission Matt as a body. Whether mm. you're joining us digitally or you're here in the building with us, I'm going to explain to you a little bit about what that means. And as I begin to explain it to you, I'm going to invite on stage our trustees and our senior leadership team. These guys are going to join us. Come on up wherever you are. Um, when I look back over the last seven months of my time here serving, these guys are some of my highlights. These folks have provided leadership for your church for a long time before I showed up and will be here for a long time. This leadership team, some of them have operational roles because they're on staff. Some of them have oversight roles because they're trustees. But these guys have been praying and dreaming and fasting. And trust me, we've been meeting and we've been praying and hoping about a new chapter for the vineyard. And so it is a culmination of many, 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 many months of earnest intercession on behalf of of this church before the Father. And it's with great joy that they're here with us. And I know you are probably immediately recognizing that we are not six feet apart. But um, I told them, I think if we go into the tent of the meeting, let's just, let's, I'm asking you all for the same grace. I'm asking the Lord, please, no one's going to get sick. I don't want to miss the opportunity to participate in something that's been going on since as long as God has ever had shepherds over flocks. We're going to commission the senior pastor. I'm going to pray. And here's what I'm going to ask you all to do. We've been asking, the 13 of us have been asking, Matt, what, what's your commitment to us? What are you promising to this community? And he's promising things like he's going to stay in the word and he's going to be spirit-filled and he's going to have accountability and he's going to make vision-driven, kingdom-minded decisions. He's got all kinds of commitments he's making to us. 
And I want, as I lead you all in prayer, I'd like you all to make some commitments to the Lord on his behalf, that you're going to pray for him and his wife and his three daughters, that you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt when you don't understand something he says from the stage, that you're going to reach out to him and tell him when the Lord gives you a word for him, that you're going to participate. This is, like I said last week, this is not happening in front of you. This is happening in the middle of you. So as I lead us in a prayer, if you want to put your hand out, you can. You want to put your hand like this, you can. God's not looking at your hand. He's looking at the posture of your heart. But would you join with us as we commit to the Lord to believe in what he still has for this body? It is so exciting. There is so much to celebrate. Would you bow your heads? You all put your hands on him. Holy Spirit, we don't have to invite you to a party that you actually were the orchestrator of. So we acknowledge your presence here in this room and we just, we're speechless at the stories that you are capable of writing. There's stories full of things like reconciliation and redemption and restoration and rescue and repair. And this commissioning is all woven into the kinds of stories that you love to tell. So Jesus, we commit to you. We commit to you to be in your word. We commit to you to be on our knees. We commit to you to be in short accounts with each other and with you, to be in fellowship with one another, to confess our sins and to fully participate in the work of this body. And we know in response, you'll be here in the midst of us, that we can walk in the comfort of your spirit, that peace and grace will dwell among us and that this body will multiply. And Lord, we're not gonna count the way the world counts, we're gonna count how you count. You multiply our impact. You make us bolder, stronger, braver, you give us faith when we need it. We'll give it right back to you. Every gift you give to us, we'll, we'll respond to you again in worship. Call us, Lord, call us. And it is with the authority that I have together with these saints that I ask that you release an anointing on Matt and Kim Massey. that your authority would rest on them, that your grace would be among them, that he would have supernatural measures of things like wisdom and discernment, that you would give him vision that would not come from man and the courage to speak up and step out and raise his hand every single time you ask him to, Lord. May this church be known for its spirit of Heneni. We'll say yes every single place and corner that you ask us to go into. We will sacrifice Lord Jesus, make this body galvanized towards that great commission and that great commandment. And I pray all of these things as we trust you with what's to come. In the name of your resurrected son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast.